You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about those scattered plays, you know, the plays where the ball is going back and forth and you're not really sure what's going on. It's just a lot of chaos happening on the court. Well, what are some strategies that you can teach your players so they have the tools necessary to get that point? So you're not looking at a ball that we're scrambling on our side and it falls and we didn't get a chance to make a play on it, or rather, we didn't know how to make a play on it. So this is an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 139 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? We got another week of volleyball under our belt. For new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And to all my regular listeners, as always, you know how much I appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode where... The goal every week is to give you tangible, step-by-step feedback strategies that you can take to your gym and apply right away. And I got a, we got a good one for you today. We have scattered plays. We're going to talk about scattered plays. Uh, now, before I do talk about that, hey, heads up, uh, I do got a workshop coming up. Uh, right now, the preliminary date is March 3rd, 4th, and 5th, I believe, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So a little bit... Of, you got a couple. We're still about three weeks away, so I got lots of time left. But I just want to keep it in the back of your mind. You might want to book a day off there. It's going to be uh, again my famous efficiency workshop, the one that I run a few times a year, where I teach you guys how to become, you know, more of an efficient coach and walk you through how to really create that player development model, that those efficient practices, and I share my ingredients as well to creating that championship uh, program. So keep that in mind. I think it's March third, fourth, and fifth. It's going to be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you're listening to this episode after that, don't worry. We got we got lots more uh, in in the future, depending on when you're listening to this. All right, well let's let's dive into some some of the stuff on today's episode. Before I start, as well, um, episode seventy six. Okay, I want to preface by I want you to go to episode seventy six because I think episode seventy six is a really good episode that goes hand in hand with today. Episode seventy six is about playing the ball at the net, and we talk about. The rules of playing the ball at the net, believe it or not, there may be some things you're not aware of. And then we talk about strategies on playing the ball at the net, things like a joust ball and how we can maximize our ability to joust and just other strategies of playing the ball at the net that are really important. So take a listen to 76. I, I do believe it add, It kind of it, it goes hand in hand with today's episode because you know at the net, normally we're talking scattered ball situation as well. But anyways, 76 is a good one for you. But let's talk about today's episode. So let me start by defining what a scattered ball is. A scattered ball is is chaos. <laughs> That's what I like to describe it. So in a non-scattered situation, we have serve, we have bump, we have set, we have swing, we have potential block, we have potential dig, set, swing. Like that's 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 a rally, okay? A rally is what I considered uh, like, like 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 a bump set spike kind of rally sequence is is not scattered ball. That's rally. Okay, scattered ball is when you have those balls that are like second contact goes over. We're chasing, 
We're chasing a ball down. We're just getting it back in play, and we're free balling it over, followed by maybe a, another overpass that you know goes over the net, and it's like it's chaos. There is no sequence. There is just the ball. The ball is just scattered. Maybe it's scattered up above the the top of the net, which is what seventy six was talking about, episode seventy six. Well, what do we do with that? You know, maybe the ball was dug off the and it goes into the net. And we're trying to play the ball off the net. These are scattered ball situations, and they occur in our sport quite a bit. So this episode isn't about the basic, you know, bump, set, spike, dig, you know, then set, then spike, maybe off the block and things like that. That's like, you know, you train for that. But I want to ask you, how often do you train for scattered ball situations? Ah, see? Now, of course, you're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Don't get me wrong. But... There are, in a, in a match that goes to, if you play up to 50 points, like two sets, or you play up to 75 points, you know, three out of five, there is going to be at least one or two points in that match where there's a scattered ball situation. There's, it's going to happen. And it happens in a variety of different ways. And we want to make sure that our players have the tools to not only know, not only know how to approach that, but be confident and recognize when they need to apply certain things to those scattered ball situations. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. We're going to walk through them and then uh, that might be, this might be a, a quicker episode, but we'll see. I tend to, as I, as I start speaking, I tend to go on. So we'll try to keep it under 30, but let's, we'll, we'll see. All right. So the first thing that I want you to understand in a scattered ball situation is let's recognize an overpass. That's probably the first place, the, the most common place that we have with scatter ball situations. You know, a serve comes over, and then instead of the other team passing to the setter, it, maybe they they try to attempt to pass, and they overpass the ball. It goes right back on our court. And how many times, coaches, has that caught you off guard? Your defense was sleeping, and then we end up having a dive, and we got a scattered ball situation. So we want to make sure that when we're serving, <clears throat> excuse me, when we're serving, I want you to have a specific player that's responsible for overpasses, okay? Because normally it's going to be your libero, right? Normally your libero is responsible for overpasses, and they're going to be responsible for kind of hanging around right, right behind the attack line. So their first job as a libero is to watch for overpasses. And by the way, your entire team should be watching for that as well. Like as a blockers, you got to make sure that you're recognizing where the ball is being passed from and and then you determine where the where the ball where the ball actually is going, whether that's to the set or whether that's it has a remote chance of going above the net. So, you know, things like that. So, overpass situation. Have a person responsible for overpasses, as well as the entire team should be aware of it. But when you start your IDP, your initial defensive position, when we're serving, the libero is going to start their IDP in a position where overpasses could occur. Okay, and that's generally you know right behind the attack line. If it goes deeper, then we already have a player in position six that's there, and they'll have enough time to track the ball that's being passed over the net and make a play on it. Okay. The other thing about it is, what about if we have an overpass? Now, this is where I want you to actually practice this in your gym in terms of how are we going to judge overpasses. So I do this drill with my, with my middles all the time where you may have a middle working on attacking and then instead I'd have my libero. Let's say we're doing five reps of you know running an in-system 51, for example, a quick attack. Well, I may have my my or my passer pass the ball that's going over the net. Well, my middle has to recognize that it's going over the net and make a play on it. And there's one of two things a middle can do. 
Even a setter, by the way, this is something setters should be aware of too. When a setter's front row and you have an overpass situation, what do we do? Well, the first option is to attack the second contact. So instead of setting the ball or make or trying to bump the ball up so we can have a third contact contact on the ball in terms of an attack, what we're going to do instead is we're going to attack the second contact. So the ball is being overpassed. We're going to intercept it and direct it in a different direction. Now, I don't recommend swinging because swinging on an overpass is just a recipe for an error to happen and because it's very difficult. Think, think about it. You're trying to swing on a ball that's already uh, going in the direction of the net. It already has velocity on it. It's going to be very tough. What I want you to do is intercept it with a tip of some sort. Change the ball's path because when the ball is going over the net in one direction, the defense is collapsing to that ball. They're collapsing to that direction. But if we get a hand on it and tip into a different direction, that may alter, you know, where it may, it may screw up their defensive positioning. They may be going one way and we, we alter and go the other way. So that's one is getting a, a hand on the ball, and, and again, you got to practice this. It's not it's not fair for you to expect your middles to know what to do with this. It's something you have to practice because it's a read. Essentially, it's a read, and recognizing and reading that is a skill in itself. So you got to practice it. Okay. So the first thing they can do is alter the direction of the ball's path by tipping in a certain you know way, whether you tip short, long, etc. Tip short. The other thing they can do is turn and block. And this is very common for setters to do that are front row. If a setter realizes, especially an undersized setter realizes that the ball is going to be over and they can't get to it to set, what they can do is they can go run, jump, and turn. As they're jumping, so they're going up to set, but they're not setting. They're jumping and they're turning into the net and getting both hands up to get a good block. Because as an attacker who's trying to swing at an overpass, they're not focusing on where that setter is turning and blocking. They're not. And it happens all the time. Their focus is, wow, I have a free opportunity to swing and score. And nine out of 10 times, they're not paying attention to the block. They may see a middle blocker come up and try to get hands up, but it's rare that they see the setter. I shouldn't say it's rare. It's more uncommon that they see the setter turning and getting ready to block. So Setters, you actually have a little bit of an advantage there, and even middles too. When that overpass comes, to track it, put up a double block, and have a good seal because the chances are they're going to be swinging right into that block. So you know, be aware of that. Okay, so that's like that's that's number one, recognizing overpass situations. So one is having your libero or whatever designated person you have set up to 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 you know, the first ball they're going to play is the overpass. Once the overpass isn't there and it goes to the setter, the libero can move accordingly. And then having your middles as well as your setters protect by tipping as well as protect by blocking. Okay. All right. Point number two, let's talk about playing it off the net. So a lot of times you have situations where a ball is dug and it's dug into the net in the trajectory of the net and it bounces off the net or it trickles down and we have to have the ability to play that ball. It happens quite a bit. So we have to practice that. So it depending on, you know, your philosophy and how you want to coach this, I don't I don't spend um, I don't spend a ton of time uh, with drills doing this like playing off the net up and attack because the, what what you want to happen is let me just I'll preface what you want to happen is if a ball is dug into the net the second contact is going to be a bumped ball. 
So we train our players to recognize that it's going to be going against the net, and normally the setters tend to take care of this. And you want to have your inside foot touching the, the, the midcourt line, and you want to be as low in a squat position to be able to get under the ball to pop it back up. Okay, And you don't necessarily, and here's the stance, by the way, you don't want to have your hand in a platform position already under the net to bump the ball back out. Because you don't know where that ball is going to ricochet, if it's going to like touch the bottom of the tape and come and switch directions. And then that's when you get into situations where you can't bump it back out. You want to have your hands in a scooped position. So both hands are to your sides. You're in a squat, like a really low position. And your palms are facing up. That's what you want. That's the goal. And if you have the time to bring your hands together and bump it back out, that's fantastic. Yeah, do that. But if you don't have the time because the ball is trickling down fast, you just need one hand on the ball. One hand on the ball so you can pop the ball up. And this is something you got to practice. And then when you pop the ball up, you want to swing. Because what's happening normally is when the ball goes into the net, the defense can either choose to stay in their blocking position and respect the attack, or they can start peeling off and getting ready for a free ball. And guess what? That happens quite a bit. So when they're peeling off getting ready for a free ball, if you have the ability to pop the ball back up and it goes straight up in the air, it doesn't matter where it goes, as long as it goes straight up in the air, your attackers should know what hitting lane they're responsible for and be able to come in, approach, and swing. All right, so that's something that you can use um, as an advantage and swing and attack the ball. So instead of actually dedicating a ton of practice time to, to working on this. Again, this is going to be what? Maybe two points a match at the most, maybe one point a match at the most. I start off each scrimmage or six on six situation with this type of ball. So I will put, I will start off by, you know, on the side and I will throw the ball into the net. So it bounces off and that initiates the first contact. And then they play two contacts out of that. And then they get on with whatever drill they will. And then I may throw that in, you know, every once in a while. But I I throw it in in a game situ in a either a six on six, a scrimmage of some sort, or whatever else we're working on that day in terms of offense. Um, I will throw something like that in there. So it's something you could throw in. And then if they if they're making errors and they're messing up, you can maybe maybe throw another one in, throw another one in, but not but don't spend too much time on it because you're the, the whole point is you want you want to make sure that they're actually executing you know, the proper footwork, you know, they're low, their palms are up, um, their arms are spread out, um, you know, to the side of their body. And they're not just having their platform together right away, you know, like little things like that, you want to make sure they're aware of how to do it. So that's, that's the technique on how you play those balls off the net, you got to make sure your stance is ready, your palms are up and you're playing because you're not going to be it's not gonna be a lift. Remember, remember the catch and throw. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a held contact. So if you hold the ball, then they might call that. So don't don't be afraid of having your palms up and hitting the ball up in one hand you can absolutely do that okay all right and then make sure again you're, you're swinging that the goal is to pop that ball up so we can swing on it and catch them off guard that's a perfect scattered play where you can score all right let's um let's talk about making sure you go back to your idp oh big one here so when you serve the ball over the net Okay, a big problem I see is players take a long time to get to their initial defensive position, their initial defense that they're going to be running against the other team. Because if they go back, if they take their time, let's say the server serves and they're walking to their spot, taking their time, and I'm on the other side, if a free ball comes back over to where that server is supposed to be, that's a point. So we got to make sure that we're going back to our IDP because what happens is on scattered balls, you know, we if we are true and we stay true to our defense, 
chances are we'll be in positions that we can pick up on those scattered balls because we don't we're not we are not scattered on defense so even when you're in a scattered situation maybe we just dove and got the ball and we put it back over the net right away go back to your idp because you don't know if they're going to bump it back over you don't know if they're going to try to catch you off guard. That's why you, it's important you go back to your IDP. Uh, whoever's in player in position six, make sure they stay back and don't move up. You know, after like let's say we have, we, let's say we run a pipe ball, we run that pipe ball. Make sure that player in position six after the pipe ball is going back there because if they get a slow down in touch, they're going to be running an offense right back through us. So make sure that we are are doing that. Okay, so make sure you go back to your IDP. It's really important. Um, point number four is protect dumps. So if you don't know what a dump is, a dump is basically when the setter's front court, instead of the setter setting, setting the ball on second contact, they tip the ball over the net on second contact. And it's very deceptive. They'll go up with two hands. And then instead of pushing the ball and setting with two hands, their left hand will come across and they'll tip the ball into our court, normally into the pot, into the middle of the court and score. So you have to make sure that when the setter's front row, your front row blocker, in position four has the setter dumps. They're blocking. So when the setter goes up, they go up with the setter to protect the net. That is an option that you can take. Um, I, I don't want to deviate from my, my, my episode here, but I do want to say, uh, and I've talked about this on the pod before, there is a caveat to that rule, okay? And here's what it is. If you know that a team is going left side, left side, left side, they're very dominant, or a setter has not, has not dumped the entire match, and you've never seen them dump, or they rarely dump. What you can choose to do is leave the setter alone, have that blocker in position four come over to help with the middle attack, and then that middle blocker can be ready to go and release for the left side attack. This is providing that there's not much, you know, there's not much sea ball backcourt and things like that. That's a little blocking strategy you can use. And then if you're, then you're gonna ask me, well, well, who's who's blocking the dump? Who's protecting the dump? Well, your libero is gonna play the dump straight up one on one. Because it's not a fast ball, it's a tipped ball. They can make that reading go. The only reason that this is going to be a tough, the only reason I would say not to do this is if you have a lefty setter who can swing. Because a lefty setter who can swing will see that that blocker in position four released early and just get a free kill. And you don't want that. All right, it's really, really nice when you have lefty setters. Oh man, it's just to have that swing, fantastic. All right. Here is another strategy that I like to use when you're in scattered volleyball situations. Now, this is high level. So I do want to say, actually, uh, yeah, I do want to say this is a bit more high level. But attackers need to see and then swing. So a lot of times when we have scattered situations where we're like the ball just going up, it's like back, like, you know, off the net, scattered, we're chasing. If you have an opportunity to attack, you want to attack and see what's happening on the other side of the court. See the block. Don't, because what happens is scattered ball situations, when that ball goes up to an attacker, an attacker is not thinking about where the defense is or where the blocker is, at least at the lower level. At the higher level, you want to be aware of if you have a one-on-one situation. Do you have only one blocker on you? Do you have two blockers on you? Do you have three blockers on you? And make sure the teammates are communicating that with the attacker. They're, they're, the attacker's teammate should be saying, hey, you got two, you got three, you got one. So the attacker can make an informed decision on what type of attack they're going to do. Are they going to swing seam? Are they going to tip? You know, what are they going to Are they going to super tip? So giving the attacker all the information is important ahead of time. All right, so see, as, 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 why I say this is high level because you have to see the block, 
Not necessarily see the defense per se, but see the block and then make a decision accordingly. Which need, which leads me to my next point, another high level point, and this is for setters. If you're a setter and you can get to your spot, and I talked about this last week, and you can get to your spot and take a and and be under the ball. If you can take a quick peek to see where the block, where the middle, more specifically the middle, where the middle blocker is, that could help significantly. Because if the middle blocker has already released and is closer to the left side, then right off the back, though you know the right side, your opposite hitter is going to have a one-on-one, without a doubt, and that opposite hitter should be able to score on a one-on-one. So if your setters have the ability to take a peek, I mean, that'd be fantastic, and they can do that. And you got to train it. So a really, really simple thing you can do to train this, uh, really, really easy, is when you're doing setting drills, like you know, setter setting to like left side, right side, a coach can just stand on the other side of the net and literally point in a direction and they have to set in the opposite direction. And then you can progress where the coach takes a step in one direction and they step, they, they set in the other direction. Coach takes a step in one direction, they set in the other direction. And then high level stuff is putting up numbers on your fingers and the setter has to yell out what number you have up, okay? Little things like that, it helps, uh, it helps. But it's again, high level. If you're working with a setter who's still learning how to use their hands, who is still learning how to set the ball to a, you know, a location, the same location every single time, then you may not want to do that strategy. You might not want to practice that yet. There's a little bit of high-level setting there for you, okay? All right. Um, the other one I think I want to talk about too is you know, knowing when to block versus knowing when to peel off the net. So this one, I think I talked about this one last week too actually with, with, with transition. But if you have a situation where you know it's a bump ball, okay, and the bump ball is happening relatively close to the attack line or a little bit behind the attack line and things like that, you, you want to you peel off the net a little bit. But don't peel as a middle blocker so early. Like if you know a ball is coming from like, you know, backcourt, like way backcourt by the end line, and it's a free ball, and they're bumping it back over. Don't peel just yet. Wait and see the type of bump ball that's going to be coming your way. Is it a bump ball that's close to the to the net line. Because if it is, guess what? You can block it. You have two hands, block it straight down. Easy block. You can see the ball, you can track it. There's no there's no other, you know, there's no other players that are going to be affecting that ball. But if it's a ball that is, you know, kind of closer to the front court, they're bumping over, you can see you want to peel off. And then you want to play the ball after that. But determining when to peel off is going to come with experience and practice. I just, I just wa- always want to make sure that you know our players know that they can block a free ball if it's within reason. You know, I always hear coaches say, "Yo, back up on free ball, back up on free ball," but it depends on the type of free ball you're gonna get. If you're gonna get a free ball that is by the net line, that's a blockable ball, take it, take it. You got nothing. You got it's just you and the ball. Take it um, because what happens is sometimes it, it touches the tape or it goes low, and we have to we have, we have a tough time picking it up anyways. Not to say that you shouldn't, you should have ball control, but you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, be, be very tactical with the balls you're going to take in the net versus the ones you're not. Okay. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about is I think I kind of actually know, I think that that's about it. I talked uh, like swinging or tipping. I, I have uh, the last point in my notes here where I talk about determining when to swing and when to tip. Normally, in scrambled ball situations, you want to swing because you want them chasing. You want to put them in a tough position to, to dig the ball. If you tip, yes, you can score. Don't get me wrong. You absolutely can score. But 
you also have a chance of them playing that, like being ready for that tip, reading the tip really well, getting the ball up, and now guess what? They're in system. They can run an offense. Versus if you hit the ball, and again, it doesn't matter. If it's a sealed block, you can hit off the block and pound, and they can go and chase. If there's a seam, you hit the seam hard, and now they have a difficult dig off an attack that's coming at a high velocity, and then it makes it more difficult for them. So that's why I say, you know, swinging is is a lot is on a, on a scattered situation is probably a bit better. But again, I understand tipping is, can score. Don't get me wrong; it can if the defense is definitely scattered and on their feet way back. They, you can actually tip short and score. But just you know, be mindful of the team you're playing against when you decide to do this. All right. Um. Let's see. Let's talk about some things that I want to make sure I see uh, happen a lot. Okay. These are things you want to make sure never happens. Hitting errors on scattered ball situations. We do not want to bail the other team out by committing an error. Okay? I want to say that. You do not want to do that because there are a couple things happen. One, they just won a long rally or, again, a scattered ball situation, so they feel great. It gives the other team a little confidence that they won that ball, and it also deflates your team because you did all that work, and now you got it. Now you committed an error, meaning they didn't do anything to earn that point except for you committing an unforced error. So I have a, I have a big, big problem with hitting errors when it comes to that stuff. I, I, I might give a little more slack if it's a tactical hitting error, like they went for a great shot, I saw it, everyone saw it, and they just missed. Yeah, that's just that's no fault to the player. I mean, you, you miss some, you lose ones. People miss wide open you know, shots in, in, the, in basketball all the time, but at least they took their shot. So that's what I would say, at least you took your shot. I have a problem is when you hit the tape. That's like getting rim stuffed. You know, hitting the hitting the tape. I have no. There's no no excuse in that in the gym. There's no. You have full control of what you did to that to that contact. You should not be hitting the tape. Um, another thing I want to I want to worry you by is don't lose points on separation between the block and the net. A lot of times you see the situations where we're we're doing great. We're getting the ball back over. We're getting our block set up, and then they hit the ball into our sealed block right into our seal block and we're like great we got the ball and then all of a sudden it drops in between you and the net in between the blocker and the net you know how frustrating that is and that is because they didn't go back to their idp and they didn't execute the regular footwork that they normally would they play they were scattered they were scattered and as a result it's easy for the offense to score when a blocker is scattered it's it's actually a liability for a blocker to be scattered i'd rather them almost not block then do that because then it's 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 a guaranteed point if they do that versus at least we have a shot to play defense. So making sure that your blockers go back, stay disciplined at the net, execute the right footwork to get to the position that they want to block and have a good seal. And a good seal is making sure they're penetrating over the net without touching the net. And again, scattered ball situations, you know how many times players are running into the net and touching it because they're trying to get back? You want to avoid that. Okay, you want to avoid that. All right. All right, those are the, those are the big ones that I think I mentioned. So let's just recap real quickly. We got, you know, recognizing the overpass. So liberos, their responsibility is to make sure that they play the overpass first before they do anything else, and then making sure setters and middles, as well as any front court player, understands and reads it's an overpass on our side. Can we attack the ball, or are we going to be turning and blocking to protect our side of the court? That's a read, and they have to recognize that. Okay, playing off the net. Remember, a lot of times we dig into the net and we only have two more touches after that. So we start every six on six with a ball being in the net and coming out, or we start with a joust ball. Either way, it's it's, it's fun and games. A joust or, or the ball into the net 
and they play it out. Okay, that, that gives them the, the repetitions without jeopardizing practice time. Uh, making sure your team goes back to their IDP, their initial defensive position, understanding what that is and making sure they know that once that serve is served on our side, we're going to our IDP right away. Even when scattered situations happen, when that ball gets bumped back over on the other side, we're going back to our IDP. So that being very disciplined in that and making sure they follow through with that. Okay. Uh, knowing when to peel off the net versus blocking the net. And this is where, again, understanding what a free ball is and the type of free ball is that we have to be aware of. Okay, so make that that's really important that we understand that. Um, setter taking a peek, so making sure that our setters, if they have the ability, again, high-level stuff here. So if you're coaching a 13U team, you're not doing this, but high-level of the setter has the ability to take a peek and see where the middle's cheating. Scattered situations, sometimes middles don't go back to their IDP. They scatter. Well, if they're scattering and they're favoring one side of the court, we can set the opposite direction and almost guarantee a one-on-one for our attacker. So really important. And then, uh, you know, like knowing when to swing, when to tip, and things like that. Again, that comes with more high-level stuff. Don't lose points on hitting errors, please, unless it's a tactical hitting error. But again, not the tape. No, I, I pet peeve of mine is when players hit the ball into the net. Unacceptable. You have full control. Um, and then as well as, you know, making sure that there is no separation between block and the net. The worst is for the ball to go straight down on our side when the other attacker attacks the ball. We, we don't want that. We want to make sure that we're aware of our, our, our body positioning and how we are penetrating over the net and ceiling and things like that. All right. That's it for me. Listen, uh, you guys have been great. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Um, if you want to hear more uh, strategies and stuff like this, I got a ton of this stuff in my coach's blueprint inside DVA. So you can head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and uh, take a look and see what you like there. Um, and if you don't know what DVA is, it's my uh, it's my membership for coaches. It's my coaching academy where I get a chance to mentor coaches all around the world, bring them into my world, and we engage in live training and Q&A twice a month. They get access to all my resources and all the courses that I've created over the last two and a half years. And they, they get access to so many things, get to see behind the scenes to what we do in our gym. And it's a great time. Not to mention, we have over 250 coaches inside an amazing community where you'll get a chance to post, get feedback, and just be a part of something special. So yeah, I like to say, no matter where you are in your coaching journey, if you if you you want to you want to grow and, and take your coaching to that next level and you're not really sure how to get there, DVA has a proven system that will get you there. We've seen hundreds of coaches go through the, well, go through and are still in the academy because they're seeing amazing results. And uh, I, I wish for that too, for you too. Okay, so digitalvolleyballacademy.com. It's uh, links in the show notes as well. That's it for me. Hope you guys had a great episode. I hope you learned some things and took some things away from you. And I will see you next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training and instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days? When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.